We just wrapped up with Aaron Plunkett, who is the founder of Sports Recruits and the show LA uh, down in Southern California. And um, yeah, it was a great episode. We just basically talked about everything. You know, when we first asked Aaron to be on the podcast, it was um, before, you know, everything that's currently going down. Um, it's, was it June? Is it June 2nd today? It's June, June 2nd. Yeah. June 2nd. Um, yeah. And so a lot's gone on with, you know, yes. the, the protests and, um, you know, there's, you know, riots have gone on and, you know, everything surrounding the death of George Floyd and, and other yeah. uh, issues regarding the Black Lives Matter movement. And so, right. um, you know, it, uh, you know, I believe that things work out for a reason. And the fact that we had him on when we did, um, yeah. I, I think was, was uh, just interesting timing because, um, as he says in the podcast and the episode, he was a, he studied African-American studies and sociology mm. while he was in college. And so, um, I mean, those are obviously two really important topics right now. So um, he had a lot of great things to say, and I think it was a yeah. great episode. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, like, just like you said, especially with everything going on right now, everything is so current. And so, um, John. <laughs> Josh, we, we usually post these episodes way later if we have, you know what I'm saying? If we have some backed up, but Josh is saying he's going to release this as soon as possible, just so everyone can kind of just hear what Aaron has to say about um, just, you know, several things about um, this movement that is happening right now, because it's super important. So um, yeah, I think, you know, you guys just listen. And um, I think, I really think everyone will, everyone will get something from it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, um, yeah, make sure you listen to this episode. Yeah. All right. right. See ya. Now it is time. Now it is time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Character Combine. Character Combine. Yeah, you ready? You ready? When he goes beyond the scoreboard, the scoreboard. Coaches, coaches, I want you to have the type of voice, type of voice that your athletes will hear decades later and still recognize the leadership that you hold in their life. Welcome to the Character Combine Podcast. I'm Josh Takimoto. And I am Deb McCollum. And today's guest is the founder of Sports Recruits and the show LA, Aaron Plunkett. What's going on, man? Nothing much. Just just hanging out at home. Um, luckily, I have a little a little spot the where, where the kids can't be heard, you know, screaming in the background. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm in the same boat, man. My daughter, my daughter's a little bit younger than your son, but uh yeah, it's tough to find those spots in the house sometimes. Yeah, so my son's three and a half. My daughter's, she had a quarantine birthday. She turned two in April. Oh. Yeah, so. That's awesome. You know. So you guys are busy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it, though. Six, yeah. Two, 16 months apart, that's it. But we've already agreed as a family, any, any uh, like, celebratory thing, like our wedding anniversary, yeah. you know, my daughter's birthday, my wife's birthday, anything that happens during quarantine gets re-celebrated afterwards. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So like we're, nice. we're keeping a calendar and every, you know, everything that we miss out on, we're just going to put a date down for the future and we're going to do it. So that's, that's how we kind of try to stay positive about it all. I like that. That's a good, oh, that's a great idea. Nice. I'll keep that in mind for myself. Yeah. I, got some, I have some big dates coming up uh, pretty soon too. So that's not a bad idea. I like that. Awesome. So, um, yeah, so you got to stay positive. That's important. And yeah. I mean, and everything, you know, and regardless of whatever situation we're in, you know, as a, as a 
as a society right now is mm-hmm. completely irrelevant. You just have to, no matter what the situation is, just be positive. Nobody likes a downer, right? That's not, you know, right. nobody, nobody wants the energy. So right. the in- energy is big. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, on that, on a, yeah. on that positive note, we like to start off our guests with some uh, warm up questions, three warm up questions. Okay. Uh, just the fun, silly, goofy stuff. So uh, what Deb likes to say, one of them is pretty difficult. The last one's pretty difficult. All right. All right. Let's see how he does. For, I was going to say for some people it's difficult, but you know, I, I, I have a feeling he's going to know the third question. So, okay. So the, you know, I think so too. I, okay. The first one is, um, it's pretty easy. Um, or not. If you could eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Maybe I started off with the hard question. That is a tough one. <laughs> salmon. Some sort of fish, I think oh. it would be salmon. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, I like it. Oh, salmon. That's good. Get those omegas. Awesome. That's right. <laughs> but then again, like if you if you eat too much fish, right? Like don't you get like high right. mercury <laughs> content? So it's like yeah. I didn't want to pick fish because I know that like that exists, right? Where if somebody eats only fish, so I don't know. But there are, yeah. you know, pescatarians, right? So that's true. There you go. There's a, there's yeah. a, fi- a fine balance to it, but fish is pretty good. Exactly. So I think it's a good choice. Exactly. Good for you. Um, and then the next question is, would you rather run 25 miles or swim eight miles? Run 25, definitely. Yeah, I'm with Dude, you. I'm the, I'm the type of guy <laughs> yeah. where like, because I, I feel like to swim eight miles, you'd probably oh. have to be, you'd probably have to be in the ocean. And I don't, I don't go further than I can't like kind of stand or like at least touch the bottom with my feet. So I'm not going out that far no, for anything. And you can't right. you force me out past that. So no, I'm but running. I'm the same. <laughs> that's, I'm a good, same. that's a good point. I love the ocean, yeah. but I don't want to find myself in the middle of it. You know, seven. Heck no. They say, oh, don't swim against the, the tide, swim yeah. at an angle. Like I don't even yeah. want to have to think of those two things. <laughs> Just go run. run 25 yeah and then the last one um i ask every guest this and it's just because i'm always curious um i call it your life song so if you could pick a song that's already out there in the world recorded that just kind of speaks to who you are or where you are i guess in this season of your life um what would that be so what would be your life song right now Season of my life right now, the life song. Yeah. You know what? I'm, it's kind of goes along with what I was saying um, earlier. Um, and I think that, you know, this guy was just way ahead of his time in like 25, or right, when we lost him. Um, but uh, Keep Your Head Up, Tupac. Yeah. Uh, that's a great choice. That's yeah, a good one. That, like that, that comes like that. I don't know why that just, you know, really – comes to mind right now because i think you know that song even addresses like a lot of different issues even women's issues it addresses you yeah. know and like so in like yeah. you know socioeconomic stuff like literally everything that we're talking about today and it's like burst out so love it that's a great choice that's a good one yeah. and you're right that's it, it is weird sometimes you kind of forget sometimes that he was so young yeah when, exactly when he passed because yeah, yeah, he was i think he was 25 yeah yeah um, i remember exactly where i was when, when i was i was oh. at a I was on JV. I wasn't playing varsity and I was in the bleachers at the uh, varsity game. It was a Friday yeah. night. 
and like everybody was crying. It was like, you know, nowadays, so imagine what the kids have to go through. Like how many of these guys are like ODing their, their young idols, these rappers and like yeah. little, you know, Zan or I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of different guys who have, you know, died recently over like overdoses and stuff. And right. it's just, it's, it's just crazy. Cause like they're dealing with it, you know, cause like as a young kid, like we're all crying in the bleachers. Like, so you know, this generation too, I think a lot of this stuff that's, you know, sparked with these protests too, it's obviously a lot of younger kids and angry, yeah. you know what I mean? Because you have destruction right. and this, that, and the other, like, like right. X out, like the looting and like running in and like stealing but, and stuff. But like, you know what I mean? You have a lot of people just breaking shit. Excuse my language. Right. You know what I mean? No, you're like, good. You're good. right. Yeah. So just breaking, yeah. breaking stuff and, you know, being destructive. And like, we all know that like, Remember when we were younger and it was like, um, remember those CKY videos with like Bam Margera and like those guys, you guys remember oh, those? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. right, yeah. yeah. Um, with like Steve-O in them, like they, yeah. you know, right. like those dudes, like it was young and like we were all in like high school and college when it first started. So like right. they would just like break stuff and throw stuff, you know what I mean? Like right. that's right. just like a, it's just like if you look at it, right, just being a kid and doing dumb stuff, like at the end of the day, like people are not only like going out and being destructive, right? Because that's kind of like the mentality that you have when you're young, but like they're truly angry and like truthfully angry, you know? Like how long have people been saying like this sentiment's been, right? Like why go to college? Why go get a degree? You know what I mean? Like why do go that route? Like a degree, a piece of paper is meaningless, you know? And like, even though I I strongly disagree with that because I think college, what I got out of it more so than, the education part of it, like, was just like, you know, the the atmosphere and the environment and the experience, you know what I mean? I think that's what ends up changing, unless you're trying to be, right, like a doctor or something like that, a scientific field, mathematician, whatever, you're, you're obviously on that path to like, go, keep doing that stuff, you know, like, I was a sociology and African American studies double major, and I'm not, you know what I mean, doing mm. anything to do with that as a career, but did it help me navigate life? Like, man, thousand percent you know so like mm-hmm. you know i think it's a lot yeah. to do with experience so you know I, I w- that's what i would say okay yeah. no, that's, yeah. awesome. that's that's a great song pick though oh yeah that's an awesome choice well you, yeah. so, you survived the warm-up questions well done yeah. yeah um and hey we definitely we definitely yeah. want to talk about things that are that are currently going on in our yeah. culture right now but just to give people a quick um quick, quick idea of who you are and and what you do uh, tell us a little bit about your athletic background and then how that led you to starting Sports Recruit and the uh, the show LA. Well, I was always just like, I, w- I was always competitive, you know what I mean? As a young kid and like I played sports and like, you know, my mom, my mom and dad were her high school sweethearts. My mom and dad grew up in, uh, my dad grew up in the Bay Area, but my mom grew up in Orville. You guys know where Orville is. It's up there by yeah. Sacramento, right? So. Yeah. And my grandparents moved there from Texas in the 60s. So, like, they were one of the only, like, black families, like, in Orville. You know, not, not you know, there weren't a lot, right? And sure. so, you know, my grandfather just, you know, always worked and worked hard. And my grandmother worked at Montgomery Wards back in the day, you know, and was, yeah. like, worked at the bank. So, like, they kind of just knew everyone in town, right? Um, one, one second, you guys. Sure. You're good. Yeah. All good. Maybe it is my night to watch skates. Anyways, oh. they kind of knew everyone <laughs> down. They're, they're, uh, 
you know, they're very social and right. And they just, you know, they, they went to the, the local Catholic church, right. Um, in yeah. town. And like, it's, you know, we grew up going to, going to church with them and going to Sunday school and doing all that stuff. And like, it's a, uh, so anyways, Orville's a small town and that's where they grew up. And my, my, my dad moved from the Bay area with his family and they, my mom and dad met in high school. And um, so it, you know, and they were always athletes. My dad played, uh, played sports. He played baseball and football and ran track. And like, you know, like guys, local people would always tell me, you know, stories about playing with him or I'd run into like mutual friends of him and my mom. So I always, I always knew, you know, kind of sports was kind of what, you know what I mean? My immediate family, you know, did. And we, we were outside playing all the time. And I just always, you know, like I said, with that competitive nature, had an older brother, you know, which drove that. He was like two and a half years older. So, so just, just enough older than me than that. Like I couldn't beat him up. Right. He would always get me, you know what I mean? But then like, yeah. you know, a little bit close enough in age to where like, I thought I could win, you know? So like, <laughs> so anyways, we, uh, you know, that's how it was growing up and always just being competitive. And like, I just remember playing every sport. Like I wanted to go out for everything, like anything that you had to compete in and, and what happened with me is like that translated to like the classroom. Like when I was in, even in elementary, like my uncle used to tell me he would give me 50 bucks. Like every time I got straight A's and like, I'm till this day, I'll tell him like he owes me $500 or something like that. Like he still <laughs> owes me that money because like that's how many yeah. times I did it, you know? And like, yeah. you know, so I always was just in, as competitive, like in class, right. As I was like playing sports. That's just, you know, how I've always approached things. And, um, and, uh, you know, so I, I played baseball all through high school, um, all through varsity. I, I played football. I played basketball. Um, and I actually went to Chico High School. So oh, okay. um, we moved to Chico when I was like in third grade from Oroville. And, um, and we, were, we were born in the Bay Area. So we were born in the Bay Area. And then um, parents, you know, split up when we were really young. So my mom moved back to Oroville. Dad stayed in the Bay Area. So I kind of had the experience, too, of growing up in both places. Like I would spend all school year in Chico up, up North and in the summer, spring break, winter break, we would stay in the Bay area. We'd go stay with my grandparents there. And like, so I was, I was, you know, fortunate enough to kind of have both experiences, which I think have, has like, if I had lived up in Chico my whole life, I probably wouldn't have lasted too long in LA, you know, cause LA is so different. Right. But having right. like the experience from the city, like I actually learned to love it down here. Um, but anyways, you know, grew up in Chico and played, like I said, played everything through um, and really wanted to play um, baseball. But, you know, for whatever reason, like at the end of the year, I think it was even during baseball season, like Davis, UC Davis recruited me and I'd sent my VHS tape out everywhere. That's how you made, I made my highlight video then, yeah. you know, two VHSs dubbed it back and forth. And, um, but uh, I, I got accepted to UCLA so I just applied. I was like a, I think I had like a 3.9, something like that. Like never had a C, you know, I was like always, you know, like that, you know, type of, type of student, you know, I took everything serious, you know, and uh, at the end of the day, like I said, it was just competitive. I didn't want anybody to be better than I was at something, you know, and not in like a, not, you know, you watch a, you know, you watch the last dance with Michael Jordan. Don't think yeah. like Michael Jordan competitive, you know, cause like, that's, you know, <laughs> I wasn't like, you know, put borderline it, psychopath. Right. So but anyways, <laughs> it was just, it's always been important to me. And so, 
Um, I, I was going to walk on, potentially try to walk on at UCLA. They weren't really like recruiting me like I thought they should. And Davis recruited me, offered me a scholarship. And um, we were D2 then. We, we moved up to 1AA like my second year. And then I ended up getting like, uh, like, cause we got what we went from like 32 scholarships to like 64 mm-hmm. with that whole move. So like, I remember ended up like covering everything and, you know, my background, like we didn't have much money. Like we were, my older brother and I, like first generation to go to college and, you know, of our family. And, uh, it, it, uh, it was easy to like, you know, balance with a part partial scholarship at a D2 to balance financial aid and, you know, my athletic scholarship. So it always covered it all. Um, but just like today's student athletes and why the whole name image likeness thing is getting huge is because like I was broke as hell, you know, I didn't have time to have a job in college and I was only playing at Davis, you know, yeah. I couldn't balance act balance academics. Cause it's like really, you know what I mean? It's tough at any UC. Right. And, um, so it was tough for, for me as a student and, um, you know, that's kind of led me to the path that I, I have today, but, you know, anyways, I just, I had playing experience. I, um, I, I had business experience because I graduated school and, you know, started working in like retail and went from like, you know, I, I used to work at a shoe store called Chic. You remember Chic? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and I learned so much about business from that dude. Like he was, he was a genius. Chic actually used to be called Dumitz. There was a store in the Bay area called Dumitz. And when we lived in Chico, you couldn't get Jordans, but we knew where to get them in San Jose at the Dumitz, you know? So every time we'd go back to the Bay area, we would get our Jordans from Dumitz and anyway, Sheik bought him out and, um, you know, opened all these stores and I worked there as assistant manager. And then I got uh, promoted to a buyer. So I worked at the corporate office in Ontario, like in out by Riverside and, mm-hmm. um, you know, was just always like interested in business and, and making money and knowing what profits were and margins were and this and that. And, you know, got to sit in on meetings with like, you know, Nike and Reebok and Adidas and see all their new shoes and stuff before they came out. And she was a genius because it was just like five young black kids. Like we were all, we were his buyers, you know, we were the, we were the people who sat in all the meetings and chose what Sheik sold in their stores. Mm-hmm. Right. And like that opened up my eyes also to like, you know, the fact that culture is sold, you know, at the end of the day. Right. And it's not like I didn't knock him for his hustle. It's America. This is capitalism, like start a business, make money, you know, but like, right. it wasn't a secret, like how he knew what to buy and what consumers would purchase from his stores. Right. So like, it's, yeah. a, but that was back before, honestly, nowadays it's like, it's cool to do that. Like it's in to do that. You know what I mean? Like he was doing that and catering to that community, like way before, like a lot of people were, you know, and, Sure. I don't, I don't look at it as like disingenuous or anything like that. That's not why I'm saying that, but he's just a really smart businessman. And like, I learned a lot from that. Um, and you know, I just, that kind of led me into like, I, I had, you know, created the D one bound brand. Like we had D one bound apparel. And I, I would say like, that's, I still know, have a shirt. So, and, and just so you guys know, we, somebody challenged our trademark and we fought it for a couple of years and we lost. So that's how, why you don't see apparel anymore. Oh, interesting. I was wondering why. Yeah. yeah. That makes so, sense. Interesting. Yeah. So that's what happened with that. But anyways, um, you know, I, le- I learned a lot about business from working in like the retail world and that kind of transition to the brand. But before the brand, we had CLA, right? So we, we had CLA since 2009. We were posting videos. We were tweeting. We were doing everything, right, to, um, to promote the student athletes. You know, our goal, our slogan from the beginning was always, from the very beginning, was empowering 
the next generation of student athletes with a platform built to promote success. So our platform has always been built to promote the success of the student athletes. And we've always wanted to empower them. That's why at the beginning, all you needed is a YouTube video to make a recruiting profile, right? That was like a kind of our model. Um, trying to look to see if my charger's here. I might have to run and grab my um, laptop charger in a, in a minute. Um, yeah, no worries. Okay. Too, if we get too low, but not now. But anyways, <laughs> we, we, so we've always kept the student athlete at, at, at the front of mind um, when approaching anything, any venture that we did. And um, with D1 Bound, we used to give away shirts at games to the D1 Bound player of the game. And halfway through the season, you know, we were covering guys like Juju Smith and Adori and these guys when they're like, somebody's like, oh, where can I buy one? And we said, oh. Oh, you know, we never thought of that. Like, I guess we'll sell a shirt. You know what I mean? So even stumbling upon that, like we never looked at it like, oh, we're going to start this brand and then start selling it to kids and like this, like it became like a grassroots like movement. Like, and, and we, we were able to counteract the branding of people saying, oh, it's elitist. Oh, it's, this is D1. And we, and, and, and how I always truly felt, I always said, no, it's not D1. You know, you can strive to be D1 bound, but whatever you do, you give it your best. And I, and I use this, use this analogy all the time. And once I said this, nobody could say anything in return. I said, you don't go to class and try to get a C you go to class and you try to get an A plus. And if you don't, you might get a B. You try to go D one, you land in D two, you land in D three, you land at JC, you still got a great grade. Right. So like, that's the way I always looked at it. And, um, you know, it, it, it was tough to, to counteract that part of it because a kid could wear a D1, you know, ruthless kids are, you could wear a D1 bound shirt to school. Everybody at your school knows you're not D1 bound and you're not saying that you're doing that, but like maybe it'll make fun of you or something. Right. So, and that's why I got away from just heavily D1 bound. As you saw the brand progress, like we had shirts that said free education, chasing uh, grind hard, shine hard. Um, what were some of our other slogans? Rise and grind. I mean, and I'll tell you, everybody says rise and grind. Everybody says it, but I, I'll, I'll, you can look it up or search Twitter because there's receipts on Twitter, right? But I feel like we were the first ones that kind of like really coined that into a popular term with like sports. We had, we sold so many rise and grind t-shirts. And, and um, so we were really just looking to inspire the student athlete and D1 Bound was like our vehicle. Like, because everybody knows D1, what, what going D1 means. That's why I was so surprised we lost the lawsuit because we lost it or the, the trademark trial, because we lost to a company called D1 Sports. And we all know, and they're a workout facility. Well, we all know D1 means Division One. D1 doesn't mean this workout facility. You know, so D1 is like synonymous with college athletics, you know, and even though they sure. call it BCS, FBS, whatever it is. So anyways, it was just so surprising, like how we ever lost it, um, because it pretty much gives that company a monopoly on the word D1, on the letter D number one. Which wow. Is insane. So when I do get hopefully, you know, uh, rewarded, you know, financially for whatever sort of business venture. I like to consider myself almost like an entrepreneur in a sense, you know, I, I'm going to fight it and I'm going to try to get um, that name D1. Like it's like Kleenex, you know, Kleenex is a household name. So like, I don't think they could trademark Kleenex because the thing, sure. you shouldn't be able to trademark D1. So right. um, that just happened because we didn't have enough money to pay people to fight it. But see, that's what you, I think that's what you do when you get a lot of money too. Like, you fight battles that you would have never fought before just because like you could pay a lawyer. Like that's, you know, and I think that's <laughs> yeah. another sure. reason, I think that's another reason why our society's mad. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it shouldn't have to be yeah. like that. Right. I shouldn't, it, my future and success as a business person shouldn't be 
determined based on how much money I could afford to pay a lawyer and you shouldn't have an advantage over me just because you know what I mean? Like those, I think those are things um, that are all under the surface of, you know, the, the black lives matter movement and justice for George Floyd. Right. And, and Ahmaud Arbery and everybody, right. It's because it's because of, you know, that, but it's, it's all these other things underlying. Cause we're not like, I went out to a protest in um, Santa Monica. I was on the way home I had to shoot something and I'm like, man, I have my camera. Like it'd be crazy to not just like walk, go over there and see what's going on. And, um, I got there at like two forty-five, and I left at about, um, three 30. So I wasn't there for long, but I got some, enough to get some photos. Um, I posted a few photos on Instagram and, and just since get a sense of what it felt like, you know, and the atmosphere and it was super, it was super peaceful, like peaceful. And then once like they, there was an announcement on the bullhorn and like everybody started turning around and walking the other way. I just assumed that I heard something about five minutes. So I assumed in five minutes they were going to start clearing the street. And like, if you've watched anything on the news or social media, you know, it's like not cool to be caught in a zone where the street's trying to be cleared, you know, cause you know, you've seen people of, of every color getting beat up and pushed down, you know? So, and I don't, you know, I have kids at home. I'm not trying to be, you know, get taken into custody or anything crazy or have to smell tear gas. You know, I was in Austin, Texas one year on new year's on sixth street and um, something happened and they sprayed pepper spray. They just sprayed a ton of pepper spray in the crowd. And like, wow, that, that alone was like one of the, I don't know if you guys have ever had to inhale pepper spray or something like that, but like, no. dude, I couldn't, I couldn't breathe for so long. And I was like, I wasn't even at the exact epicenter of it. I was like, 30 feet away from where it got it was it was pretty crazy um but yeah. couldn't imagine tear gas any of that crazy stuff so anyways wow. um i got down there and, and took some photos and you know got in got, got in there and you know chronicled it and 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 witnessed it and it's it's people of every background you know so it's pretty right nice. well it's yeah. um yeah it's it's crazy man because we definitely want to you know, talk to you more about this whole situation, you know, regarding the death of George Floyd and, and all the events that are surrounding that. Um, but let me ask you this, since you, you are um, ingrained in the, in the sports culture, the student athlete culture, um, what have you, how, how are the athletes, like the, the young African American athletes that you deal with every single day? Like, what are their thoughts on this or how are they feeling right now? And you know, I mean, it's a big question, but um, I feel like you're a good person to ask that question too. Right. Right. Um, well, you know, I consider myself a black athlete and, and it's, yeah. and people, and this is another thing too. It's like people like my dad's white, right? My mom's black. Right. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know what I mean? I'm black. Sure. You know what I mean? That's, that's what I consider myself. And like, you know, I was raised with my mom's side of my family and, you know, I don't know how if that has a, you know, maybe everybody who's mixed like me doesn't identify like that. You know what I mean? I, but the truth is, if you just go back, you know, I was an African-American studies major. Like I said, if you go back 400 years, like, you know, most people in the U S who are black aren't all black because we know what happened with the women who were slaves, right? They, we all know what happened, you know what I mean? So like, it, I don't think it's a discussion. I'm not, you know, I don't want to make people like, you know, think of, you know, cause I think that's what, that's where the anger comes from. The anger comes from like that history. Right. So like people are like, Oh, he's light skin. Oh, he's dark skin. And like, but like my cousin Jason, who's super dark skin, you know, from my, on my mom's side, like I can, 
I could poke fun at him, you know what I mean? And he could poke fun at me for being light-skinned, you know what I mean? Like, because that's what happens within, you know, within our culture. But, like, at the end of the day, no matter, like, the shade, like, everybody's black. You know, there used to be a, uh, there was a law back in the day, you could look it up, it's called the one drop rule. So in our U.S. history, there was a law called the one drop rule, which meant if you had any drop of black blood, like, you were black, you know what I mean? So, like, you know, at the end of the day, I, I that's just, you know, how, how I identify, but like, so that's just a, you know, to address your question, right. What's it like for the kids? Like, you know, I grew up as a black athlete, you know, as a young kid and, you know, in Chico, there weren't a lot of black families. And like, I, I was called the N word, like more times than I could remember, Hmm. or even just having, you know, people say it around me, like, and this is the weirdest thing. And like, what people don't realize is like, and, and any black person can tell you this that like grew up in an area where there weren't like a ton of black people or maybe somewhere like in the south right where like schools are segregated and even the, you know schools excuse me inter- schools are integrated and in, but the community communities are still segregated right in the south so you have a lot of this but like people just using the n-word and like not even directing it towards you like mm. you know like getting hurt like stubbing your toe and like using it as like a like a just a frustration term you know what I mean it's like it's been so ingrained in like that whole you know as like normal that that happens you know I need to grab my charger else we're gonna be done so okay okay you guys there yep we're We're here okay so anyways yeah it's just you know like I was saying it's if you've grown up around or in areas where you know you faced this and, and you have stories, you know what I mean? I have so many stories. It's not even funny. Like I have so many stories, like, you know, and I'm not trying to point at somebody's, um, I'm not trying to point at people and call anyone out or anything, but like I went to Chico high and every time I played a game up at paradise, you know what I mean? I was called the N word, Hmm. you know, and it probably wasn't just them, but like, I remember four or five different occasions going up there to play and stuff happening, you know? being yelled at in the crowd by somebody like my older brother got in a fight because some guy was like yelling it at me from the bleachers. And it was just, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, I've had enough like things that I've had to go through being like young, not even just an athlete, right. Just being young and and, and black that, you know, like I used to, this kid used to call me the N word every week and school didn't, you know, say any, say anything when my mom brought it up. And finally my mom just like said, okay, well, do whatever you have to do. And like, I would, I would, I would fight, you know what I mean? Like, that's all I knew how to do. And, you know, cause I just did it cause I got so angry. Right. So, um, you know, and you know, now I'm obviously a lot older, so, you know, but I understand what it is like being a young African-American kid. And like, you know, uh, I, shoot, we were walking to school when I was like 10 and it was me and my two cousins and my brother and this truck came speeding up behind us. And no, like I was younger, I was like seven, but we were no older than 10 and we got ran off the road and like racial mm-hmm. slurs screamed at us and like, you know, r- literally ran off of the road in Orville, you know what I mean? And people are like, oh, it's California. So like, there's just, I think that George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and all this stuff just like kind of lit like a, a torch in like, especially the youth. Cause they've been feeling these things like, forever and and seeing the crazy thing about it is I'm not even talking about like the real cases of like people getting killed and people getting you know what I mean hurt and 
you know, cause like my grandfather's from Texas. Like he tells, he would tell me stories about his friends being lynched, you know, like when he was growing up. So like, not only are, and that's why everybody said, keeps saying like, Oh, well, Kaepernick told you like, no, Kaepernick didn't tell us like the last 400 years told us because my grandfather has been telling me those stories from ever since when I was younger. And I, I feel angry because of the things that he had to go through, you know what I mean? And his families had to go through. And then, so, cause so like, that's where I think that people don't, don't, if you don't really know the history, like I chose to be an African-American studies major in college because I didn't learn anything about my history up until that point. You know, like I, I started the black student union at my high school cause there wasn't one. You know, and I made sure every black kid in the school who I could see or get eyes on, like, would come. You know what I mean? And, like, we wouldn't do a crazy lot, but, like, we would do homework. You know what I mean? I, w- I would help the younger kids with what to do. And, like, we would, if there were any events at Chico State or, like, locally, like, we would go and try to, you know what I mean? So it was cool. Like, I started a little tutoring uh, program in high school where I, the junior high for Chico wasn't too far away. So I got, I wrote up this whole plan. Like I went to Upward Bound. Do you guys remember Upward Bound? It was like a summer program, right? Yes. So they, uh-huh. yeah. yep. so it yep. was for, it was for first generation college students. So if you were a first generation college student, you got to go and you stayed in the dorms for like six weeks in the summer. So you would check in on Sunday and you would stay until Friday. Then you'd go home for the weekend to your family. But it was kids from all over like Chico, Orland, you know, Butte County, right? right. Um, area. So we would all stay in, you know, and so I would, I got that experience of like being there and like being on a college campus and learning. So I wrote this whole plan of like, oh, how can I go up to the um, junior high and help with something? Because we had like this mandatory study hall, like what am I going to do in mandatory study hall? Like I did my homework. So I'm just like, you know, and I was able to really like, just, you know, think of, of how I could kind of benefit, you know what I mean? A, A uh, uh, like my people who I see even like struggling, even me, like as like being light skinned, like I'm not pro I'm still profiled, but I'm not profiled nearly as much as like my cousin, you know, or some of my other family members who are, who are dark, like, let's just face the facts. You know what I mean? I still deal with it, but like that, that's the truth. It, that's the, just the truth. Um, but anyways, I started this thing and I would go over every, every week, um, like on a Thursday and I would leave campus before lunch at Chico high and I would get round up all the young African-American kids. And we would like, I talked to a teacher and I got access to his uh, classroom. Like he had like the TVs and all that stuff. So like we would turn on ESPN or something like that. And everybody would do homework. And it was just like a space for people to just to feel comfortable because people don't understand that like young black athletes, it's not even just, a, it's just, it's just like you're, you're uncomfortable all the time. You know what I mean? Like I've, so, so they, they experience that, you know what I mean? And not only that, like I said, the young black athletes, they, they have fathers, they have black fathers, right? So every, they've all had to have the talk, you know what I mean? They all know mm. a protocol of if you get pulled over like this, you know, everybody like Magic Johnson, people will share these speeches, but like, I don't, sometimes people don't realize that we, they, we don't share these speeches. These speeches aren't like an anomaly. Like it's like a fact in every single household that like you've gotten this talk. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That's just, you know, that's, that's just what it is. You know, I mean, yeah. so I would just say on, uh, that's, I think what you're seeing is, um, is just, is, is anger too. You know what I mean? But like all the athletes are, are, are standing up. Like I see a lot of Oregon players, football players, a lot of USC football players, a lot of, 
not a lot uh, a lot of certain certain schools you know what I mean have a lot of players who are really vocal and speaking out about it and I think it might be like a top-down thing where like they felt like they could be a little bit more vocal because like Mario Cristobal at Oregon was at a protest you know he went out to a protest you know it made you know it made like the headline and he didn't go out there in his Oregon gear you know trying to promote Oregon but he went out there and people spotted him out there you know and like I think that says something powerful. Um, USC, yeah, sure. USC just um, uh, what split ties with that booster, with the booster who went online and was saying all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Season ticket holder, you know, took away those season her season tickets. And so, you know, I think a lot of the athletes are finally realizing that, like Colin Kaepernick tried to say something about it, um, and everybody likes to, you know, really, really applaud that, but like the, I think the travesty is, is like Muhammad Ali said it, you know what I mean? Jim Brown said it, like all these guys said it already in the sixties and they were the biggest athletes in the world at that time. And like, there was like a vacuum between like the late seventies and like, you know, when, like, you know what I mean? The early, maybe like nineties, right. When Rodney King came about and people started talking about, but there was like a vacuum Cause like everybody got silenced, you know, because back then, like there was no social media, there was no way to like get brand endorsements and make men- money off your likeness as a pro athlete, you know? So it's like, if they hit your pocketbooks, like it was over for you, you know what I mean? So I think today's athletes, they know that history too. You know what I mean? You know, young, young black athletes. And like, it's, you know, and, 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 and people, you know, I, I, and I ha- and it's sad that I even have to say this, but like, because like I'm saying young black athletes, like, I feel like with today's culture, like I have to also say, and, and, and let people know that like, I don't, it's not just black athletes, like even, you know, Hispanic, Brown, you know, Asian, like, all, you know, all these people are going through it too. But like, you know, but we're talking, what we're talking about right now, you know what I mean? was sparked off with Ahmaud Arbery, you know? Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, right? So it's like, we, we know. And then, like I said, at the end of the day, we all have, our, we all have stories. Like, you know, and we all have a, a history of exchanges. And I've been able to have some great conversations because two of my cousins are L.A. County sheriffs. Hmm. And they're both, they're both female. And one of them's a captain. One of them's a sergeant. And, like, wow. and they're just like me. They're mixed. So my dad's brother you know, also married a black woman and like they, you know, and I have cousins who, who are, who are raised out here. Like she passed away before I, I could remember who she was, um, like in, in a, like a car accident, it was super tragic. So, so they were also raised with their, the black side of their family. Like they stayed out in LA with their mom's side, um, and were raised out there, but I've had conversations with them. Like if I ever have a run in like with the police, like I call my cousins, like, Hey, like what's, you know what I mean? And and they've had my back, you know, like they, you know, and, and they've, you know, they've told me, you know, straight up when I've had certain conversations, they're like, look, just because like we wear a uniform and whatnot, like we still go home and put on like our civilian clothes. And like some people are racist and some people like, you know, who, you know, and, you know, like I got pulled over before in Hollywood and got like detained in the back of a car and like, um, uh, and I was telling him the whole time, like who my cousins were, like, cause it was a sheriff's department guy. I'm like, Hey, you know, I just right, Like I know this person, like you probably know. And like detained us, searched the whole car, um, but never called it in. And like, 
Mm -hmm. legally if you detain someone you have to call it in and so like finally he ended up believing that like that was my cousin you know because like I used I told him both of their names because they worked at the same you know department and um so even though he knew it was my cousin right and ended up believing me because he obviously knew because he didn't call it in right so anyways I told her about it and like um I think she got him like reprimanded for it or something happened right where Mm -hmm. like like don't f with my family you know what i mean like and it's almost like one of those things too where it's just like i was just lucky she's like don't f with my family because that's my family but like that guy probably did the same kind of bs to some other kid but he didn't have somebody to like be there to stick up for him you know what i mean and like and that's what most that's what 99 percent of people you know have to have to go through um so i think just as a society and like that's the thing is is it, is it never, it doesn't stop, you know, it didn't, it didn't happen when I was a kid and like stop now, you know? So I think that that's the, you know, how to address the, the, the black athlete, but like I could, I could fill up the next 30 minutes telling stories. Like I'm not even kidding, you know? Oh, so sure. like, it, like just the, yeah. I got pulled over in my stroller with my two kids under two and a half because I didn't beat the countdown of the crosswalk. It was like a photo mm. finish. Like I ran and the guy stopped the entire traffic and pulled around and gave me a ticket, you know? And I knew it, and, and you know what it is too. Like people can say, oh no, but I'm just, you know, enforcing the law. Like, no, sometimes the law is enforced, you know, in, indiscriminately, you know what I mean? And, and, and I know this, you know? And, you know, and at one point it was just horrible because at one point I turned my kids around and I said, I don't want you guys, you know, looking at this man. And, and he said, oh, that's a good thing, you know, you know, make them, you know, not, like police. And I said, no, no, because I have family that are police. It's not police. You're just a bad person. You know, you just did this and gave me this ticket like for, you know, it absolutely. It was in unconscionable. Right. It was it was crazy. It was like, I'm, you know, hottest day of the year with two kids under two and a half. And like and, you know, trying to be all nice. I'm like, you're going to give me the ticket. He's like, yep. You know, and at the end of the day, I, you know, I, you know what it is. And so I just told I said, no, I just don't want them interacting with you because I don't feel a good energy from you. I feel like you're bad. You know what I mean? Like that's just you, everybody has a gut, you know what I mean? A gut and you know, people know when they're being wronged. And I think that's a big reaction of what's happened because so many young black athletes in particular um, have been wronged because the truth is um, sometimes the only way for young African-American men to intermix with white kids is sports. If you're not there for sports as a black kid and you're in Calabasas Mm. and they don't know that Mm. you're on the basketball team, like you're just a black kid in Calabasas. I'm sorry. Like that's just it for, for a fact, you know what I mean? So I think that that's another thing with black athletes and why you see the voice being raised more often than not, because they're in, they're in circles intermixing with other you know, with, with young, with young white kids more often than everybody else in their community, you know, like Kayvon Thibodeau, he should have been at Dorsey. He was at Oaks Christian, you know, for his last two years. So, you know, it's just, you know what I mean? He knows, you know, at the end of the day, he's a genius guy. You know, you've seen the stories about him, Oregon DN, like he's very smart. He's like a savant. He's like super intelligent kid, you know, like beyond his years, black or white. He's just like a very smart kid. Um, but at the end of the day, like, you know, as a young athlete, you recognize that you're brought into certain circles because of your athletic ability. 
and that's how you get a pass. And the reason why I know that is because I see so many of these kids speaking out that play for Oregon or play for these schools. I see them speaking out and I see, I, I read the comments. Everybody reads the comments. Everybody reads the replies. And these people will have the name of that school that that kid plays for in their Twitter handle, you know, in their at, and they'll be like bashing the kid yeah. because he's speaking up right now. So it's like, because that's the fact, like you're accepted as an athlete, but not beyond that. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, That's crazy. Aaron, th- thank you for sharing that with us just because it's, and I'm white. So there are a lot of things that I don't, that I don't understand that I haven't been, that I will never understand that I haven't been through and will never be through with just all the stories that you told. I mean, so, before you, before you like go, you know, I don't, you can't, you know, don't feel like, cause like a lot of people feel like, you know what I mean? Faulted, you know what I mean? Or like that, like, you know, the fingers being pointed, but like, I feel like what we've realized, like the fingers, the fingers never pointed because like, like a lot of my best friends in high school were white, you know what I mean? To I talked to this day who I invited to my wedding, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'll tell you that I didn't even in my own family have the same relationship. Like I had a crazy close relationship with my grandparents, you know, my dad's parents. Um, but not with like a ton of other people in the family. You know what I mean? Like my cousin, who's like my dad's sister's daughter, like we didn't get invited to her wedding. Like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not close to everybody, which is just, you know what I mean? Because that's the thing with all cultures. You know what I mean? You could look at different cultures. And when people marry outside of their culture, in any culture, like people shun others. That's just mm-hmm. how it happens, right? Whether it's like, a, you know, I, you can name, you know, different combinations of every culture, but it happens. You know what I mean? And So, yeah, don't, you know, I'm not, it's not, I don't think it's even one of those things where, where anybody's even angry at, I think nobody's, I don't think anybody's angry at white people. You know what I mean? Like people are just angry at racism. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, you know, that's, and sorry, I'm not, you know, I just, no, that's good. But like, I just think that that's what it is, you know? And like, that's the thing is people can use coded language and you know, people can use, you know who's is and who isn't, you know what I mean? You know who's mm-hmm. has those sort of views and who doesn't, you know what I mean? Right. Like it. Right. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, but it, but it is, it is one of those things where I think that right. with, um, you know, with, with a lot of people who are high profile in the society who are white, right? Like, you know, I've right. seen Steve Nash speak out. I've seen, you know, um, uh, Steve Kerr has speaked out, you've spoken out, you know what I mean? A lot of people have spoken out, you know, and you, you, and that's the thing too, is, you know, when it's, you know, when the statement's from the heart, you know, right. some, and I'm not going to call name any schools, you know, I don't want any enemies out there, but certain colleges have posted statements and not even mentioned George Floyd or mention, you know, racism versus African-Americans, you know what I mean? People post these statements and get it out on a holistic level as to not ruffle mm-hmm. anyone's feathers and to stay right you know what I mean, in the middle. And that's sad too, you know? Right. You know, it's, you know, it's been crazy too. And I saw some stuff today and I, my wife was showing me something. I think there was a couple of different images that were kind of floating out there about people uh, using social media and using the protests and, and the current situation to uh, chase some kind of clout. On their oh, story. yeah. And I, I'm I, sure I've, you I've seen that. No, I just, you know what? And I just oh, think that crazy. that's just a... Well, that's just a sign of the culture, right? Like right. that's just a sign of the, that's just a sign of immaturity in the youth more right. than sure. anything. Because 
look, people, I've seen people pose for selfies in at, the, at like a funeral. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, we've yeah, all seen, sure. all right. So like, I just think, you know, people like, that are doing it for clout are also doing everything else in their life for clout. You know what I mean? So like, I don't think it's like a one, you know what I'm saying? I just think that's just a sign of like, um, a sad sign of like a product of being popular on social media, right? Being an influencer, yeah. right? Oh, for sure. I just feel like it, it just, it just, it's horrible. It's horrible. Like, now, you know what I'm saying? It's oh like, man, it's so out bad. Of all I situations, still, like you saw the picture with the girl who, who a picture with the girl who was holding the screwdriver, right? And like pretending like she was That's like, the one I was referring to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was one, I think it was- Horrible, horrible. Sign. It's like, this is wild. Like you're, you're, miss, you're missing the, the whole point of everything that's going down. Now, it's something horrible. else I was going to mention too is you were talking about how your, your grandfather would share stories back when he was living in Texas, these wild stories of racism. And sometimes you hear people, at least the people I, I've heard on social media and different things talk about, well, that was a long time ago, but, and they pitch it in such a way where it's like, they make it seem like it was a long time ago, but that's really not that long ago. Exactly. 50 years is not that long ago. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. And when you yeah, look at it right. from that perspective, it's like, this hasn't even, it hasn't been that long since those days when there was no. all of that, that, right. you know, outward racial, you know. Look, people, people were lynched in small towns in Northern California, like Redding right. and Shasta right. and those areas, like during the same exact time that it was happening in the South, you know what I mean? Like, wow. so right. yeah, it's, it's pretty nuts, man. It's not, it wasn't that long ago. No, not at all. Look sure. at it from this perspective. We know about those things that happened back yeah. then because like this many people, like a handful of people had cameras, video and mm. photo, right? Like. Right. Right. So right. you see a fraction of it and like are terrified by it. Like, right. You know, that, that term, a picture says a thousand words. Like there's right. that famous picture of like the girls or I think it was a young boy with like the dog, them sicking the German shepherds on them and like Mississippi right. right. Like it's like that famous photo picture yeah. says a thousand words because we have a crazy thought of that time in history off of just a couple photos. Right. So what do you think really happened? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Now we have social media and everything, but he's recording everything. So you see it all. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, man, yep. it's yeah. just, you know, it's just accountability, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. If again, like I said, the people who are doing it for clout, they're right. doing everything else in their life for clout, most likely. Sure. Right. Um, right. Well, the people who aren't accountable, aren't accountable, no matter what profession they're in. Right. Whether they're, they, they work as a trainer or they work as a police officer or they work as a doctor and who's just lazy and writing prescriptions. Right. We have an opioid crisis. Right. Like a lot of people aren't accountable, right. which is just like a, a value, you know, that's instilled in you. You know what I mean? You're not right. you're not born accountable. You know what I'm saying? Like may, maybe it's in your nature more so than another. Who knows? I don't know that much about science, but like. I feel like you're just taught values when you're younger, you know what I mean? When you're coming up and one of those that's the most important to me because I saw my grandfather who, you know, left the South because of racism and all this craziness and bought, you know, half an acre in Orville, you know what I mean? Like I, he just, he worked at the uh, cannery. He worked at the cannery in Orville canning, you know, everything. Cause you know, the agriculture is big up there. There's everything from peaches to olives to this, to that. And he just worked at the cannery for like 30 years like that's what he did hmm. and like you, nobody you maybe nobody would be impressed by that but like I was because like he did he did it every day you know what I mean so like 
that's how he taught me, you know, accountability, right? Because he didn't stop doing it. You know what I mean? It wasn't even a glory glorified job, you know, but, but like, I also knew he was very smart because like he wouldn't write up any plans and he would weld together like truck beds and this and that. And like, he owned a bodybuilding gym in Orville for a while back in the day. And he like made his own weights and this and that. And like, he was just really smart. You know, he was a, he was a Korean war veteran. And that's a big reason, like my other grandfather, dad's side was in world war two. And that's a big reason why I was like, you know, so I'm so drawn with to the honorable, you know what I mean? Cause both of my grandfathers served and like, you know, sure. I've been the MC for like the last six years. So like I've, I kind of took over MCing when, you know, when, when you guys, you know, you know, weren't there and mm-hmm. it just worked and I've done it straight for like the last six years. And you know, that's a big reason behind that. But anyways, he, he, it was just accountability, right? Accountability to your family. Right. Like in, in, in the other thing about it is too, is people don't just learn that from an example of the, the, somebody being accountable too. You also learn things from people not being accountable, right? Like my parents split up, like my dad was never there. He wasn't accountable. So that fueled me in the direction of like, I'm never not going to be there for my kids. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm going to be there every, literally every step of the way because I don't want them to have, that. you know, so I was accountable there and I would learn that you learn, you learn things from the, the good examples and the bad examples of it. Right. So, right. um, because we all know that like you can ha- also have a lot of money and, and people think money solves everything. And sometimes, you know, people with a lot of money end up ha- doing dumb stuff you know, like just like people with no money, you know? So, but yeah, I think that just having those values, you know what I mean? Is, is really, um, is really important. And, but like, I think the really, I think the one that hits it on the head is accountability because you have to be accountable to other humans too. You know what I mean? Other people in your lives, you know what I mean? Like in accountability in like knowing how to read someone. And if someone's sad, like, you know what I mean? You hold yourself accountable as a human and, and try to help cheer them up, you know what I mean? Or do whatever it is. Right. And like, at the end of the day, you got to be accountable to yourself, to other people in your life, you know? And why I think people are so frustrated is because um, there's no accountability. You know what I mean? With right. it, it, Because if there was like changes would have been made. Right. Yeah, no, for yeah. sure. Um, well, hey man, we want we definitely want to be respectful of your time. Um, so before before we get out of here, I want to ask you this this one question because I feel like this is really important um, as far as everything that's going on in this movement that's happening right now. Um, what are some things that people can do to help prevent this from becoming just a moment, right? Something that's well, look at it like this. And and I and I talked about this early earlier, and you know, as I'm having a discussion, it's you know, you know, my, my mind's working more and, you know, even earlier saying like, you know, how underneath all of this with, with George Floyd, with Black Lives Matter, with all these protests that are going on in the name of Black Lives Matter, right? Um, I, I talked about these other movements, right? Um, I talked about how we grew up saying certain words, right? That we've, you know, cut out of our vocabulary, right? Um, we've made more progress in all of those other movements than we have with Black Lives Matter. That's why it's at the forefront. We don't say those words anymore that we said earlier when we were kids, right? Because what's going to happen? Somebody in your circle is going to say, dude, don't effing say that, man. Like, that's not cool. You know, people are going to check you. You're going to get checked on it. 
You know what I mean? And you have to be aware. You have to be culturally aware, socially aware. And at the end of the day, think about that for a second. You would never dare say that. You know what I mean? Because that's how strong those movements were able to completely stamp that out. Mm -hmm. But this movement, where's the progress? You know what I mean? So that's why I think when you, when you, when, cause, cause you can, and you know, I address those other things cause I don't want people to think that I don't think those other things are valued too. Cause as I genuinely do. Right. And I think that everything that's happening now in the streets, I do think it is a big combination of that. Right. But I do think that look at the progress that's been made in these issues. Right. And then look at the progress that's been made. You know what I mean? With this. And, um, that's just, you know, I don't know. It's, it, 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 ha- it really hasn't, you know, and I, I, just, I guess that's kind of, kind of what I would close out on. It's just, you know, we, we have to, I mean, we just have to denounce it. Hmm. Just this, in the same way that we denounce it when somebody says, you know, something, a homophobic slur, you know, or, or tries to be demeaning, like, like, for example, like, you know, at the end of the day, everybody said it, you know, and you heard it all the times like, Oh, they play like a girl. Right. Like, that's not cool. You know what I mean? You can't ever say that. Like, and like, I have a daughter and like, and she's two, she's two and my son's three and a half. Right. And she's come up to me as a two year old and said, Oh daddy, uh, boy, that, that, that's for boys. Like boys do that. Cause like my son already, I don't know how he got it. Cause he doesn't learn it in our house that boys can do it and girls can't, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't know where he got even the notion of telling her like, Oh, this is for boys. Hmm. you know what I mean and so like at the end of the day like for whatever reason like they in in watching a cartoon and watching this like they see that like you know what I mean like so it's you know it's one of those things where I just think that you have to denounce it right because I denounce that with him I say and I tell her I said no he you can do anything that he's doing you know at two years old I reinforce it you know at the end of the day so you can it can be reinforced in two ways those who are reinforcing it in their home in the, in the hateful way, you know, need to stop because it's ruining us as a society because it's not cool. Mm-hmm. You know, anti-Semitism isn't cool. You know, none of that, none of that stuff is, is cool. It never has been and never will be, you know, and like, don't. So that has to happen on one end. And at the same time, I think what's, what needs to happen more is in what's happened. Um, Kaepernick had to be a martyr for the cause because, you know, there was a vacuum between, you know, the sixties and him, I feel like. And, um, now with all the, like somebody's posted something, Jaden would be Florida state safety went to Bosco. He posted something. He's like, you know, I feel like I can't say anything. And as an athlete having to think about my future, which means being drafted in the NFL, he's like, I can't say anything. And it's like, well, yeah, you can. Because if everyone's speaking up collectively, now you can, you know, now you can say something mm-hmm. because you don't have to feel like Kaepernick because what's, what's going to happen with the NFL. If every single college player speaks up, there's going to be no draft. Right. right. You know, there's going to be a draft. These yeah. guys are going to play. Mm-hmm. They're going to put the best right. people on the field because you got to sell the biggest advertisements and you got to mm-hmm. get the most sponsorships. And that doesn't happen. What, happened, what happens with the other leagues, the XFL, the this? If you don't have the best players on the field, you're not going to have a product. You know what I mean? That's just a fact. So I think, if, I think what needs to happen, you know, in saying that is everybody needs to speak up um, collectively. 
Yeah. Everybody needs to speak up collectively denouncing it um, from all sides. And I, like I said, I went out to Santa Monica. You know, I know Santa Monica's, you know, not, you know, doesn't have the same exact makeup as like, you know, downtown surrounding areas, but that doesn't matter. You see, you see, you see groups of every people, every walk of life denouncing it. Nobody's doing anything besides denouncing racism. You know, the same way we, d- we denounced those words and stamped them out of our vocabulary that people would say, you know, yeah. same way we denounced, you know, um, teams that use, you know, Native American heritage, right, in their names. You know, so a lot of people have dropped the names, you know, a lot of teams yeah. have, you know, we still have the Redskins, obviously, but, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I just think, I just think, you know, being accountable, I just think people just need to denounce it. That's it. Yeah. Right. That's great. You know? That's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, hey man, we definitely appreciate you taking the time to talk talk with us, especially in this current climate. Um, yeah, for sure. Where, where can everybody follow you? Where can they follow sports recruits? All that stuff. So yeah, so um, Instagram, we're at sports recruits. Um, on Twitter, we're at football recruit. Okay. Um, hey, you guys, do not post anything on social media um that's not copy that's that's copywritten that's not yours we learned the hard way with our sports recruits twitter account um we had a hundred thousand followers and we posted i guess one too many videos with a copywritten song you know like Mm -hmm. drake this that so our account got so indefinitely so we're not sports recruits on twitter uh, we're football recruit on twitter um but yeah and that's that's being accountable too i was young with social media and i thought like oh i could just use somebody's stuff on my Mm -hmm. channel you know what I mean? And like, I'm not sitting here crying because I lost my Twitter handle. Like I'm accountable. And I realized that I shouldn't have done that because people steal our videos all the time. And I get pissed because I'm like, like you took our video, you cropped out our logo, you put it up on your YouTube channel and your YouTube channel is monetized. Right. And you know, sometimes for, for some people being accountable means you have to put yourself in their shoes. Yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah. Again, you have to put yourself in their shoes. I put myself in their shoes. You have to put yourself in somebody's shoes who's facing, you know, racism. So, but anyways, that's where you can find us. Football Recruit Twitter, Sports Recruits Instagram. Um, We're also at CLA Films on Twitter and Instagram. That's more of like our professional account. You don't don't post a lot there. Your feed's not going to get overwhelmed. Um, We have have posted about 15,000 times on our Instagram. Um, but yeah, I'd be happy to come back to you guys. I know this is a crazy time in addressing this, um, but we do have a, a huge project that we started with um, this name, image, likeness, rule change in the NCAA. Um, and we launched a plat- platform at clasports.com um, where we're working with student athletes to build um, their name, image, likeness on social media. Oh, wow. So That's that, awesome. So that they can profit off of the rule change when they get to college. Because um, we all know it's going to be how big your social footprint is, you know, sure. and the amount of followers you have. It's going to determine, you know, what deals you can get with brands. So we're doing that, which is huge. Um, we also signed a multi-year deal with the CIF Southern Section to do their video oh, podcast. Wow. So we nice. in February and everything got halted because of COVID. Um, but we're going to be doing the official video podcast for the Southern Section um, for the next three years. And you know, ah, congrats. On. Thank you. So, That's awesome. you know, that means every sport um, in the Southern section, there's 563 member schools, which is pretty crazy. So we're going to have kind of, you know, we're going to have a different take on it. So it's going to be the show LA, um, but um, show LA is unscripted. Um, we sit in, sit in the studio, we talk, this is going to be scripted, um, but it's still going to be us and in, in our approach. And, 
You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I feel like at the end of the day, uh, in all of this too, if you look at it, like, I feel like we are the culture on, on with, with social media. Um, and you know, it, it's going to be that with the CIF Southern section spin. So look forward to it, man. Awesome. Man. Awesome. You're super yeah. busy. So that's, we'll keep I know. all that stuff. <laughs> it's yeah. A, yeah. It's, it's a good thing, man. But you know, no matter what, you know, got to make time for, for your family and, Absolutely. Keep that, keep that stuff first in, in all of this, especially. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. Aaron, thank you so much just for your insight and just for taking the time to just talk with us about this. I think it's really important to talk about this because it's happening right now. Yeah. And so yeah. we just, I think for our listeners, that was just really important for them to hear all that. So um, just thank you for being here and talking with us. Taking of course. Time out of your no, day. no, yeah. my, my pleasure. My pleasure, yeah. you know, and hopefully, you know, we, we, we were, we're talking about, you know, things that are, you know what I mean? You know, when things are back to the, the way that they were, you know, it, not too many months ago in, in yeah. every sense, right? Um, yeah. You know, we'll all, we'll all be singing a different tune. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, Thank you so Thank much. Thank you guys. Have uh, a great night. I appreciate it. Stay safe it. and uh, stay healthy and take care of your family, man. Yes, sir. Anytime, anytime uh, you guys need me, I'm, I'm here for you. But yeah, you guys do the same. Have a great appreciate night. Appreciate that, man. Take Thank care. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you.